Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Incredible. All I've been doing is standing in various parts of my body. And? I, I twisted my ankle yesterday, so it feels great. Wow, okay. Well, good for you. I mean, Claire's tearing her hair out. She fucking hates all these gadgets. It takes up like this much room. Also, it's incredible. Yeah, hide it behind a book. She won't know. Hide it behind the book. Yeah, I'll, I'll have like a secret cave of all of my recovery devices. Right behind those books right there. Just Good. All right. Well, listen, this is take two of our incredible podcast. Uh, <laughs> due to some technical errors, we were going to bring this to you, the listeners, sooner. Um, I'm just really happy that the technical error was not my fault. Yeah, well, that's usually your fault. But this time it was my fault. I don't know what happened to my little Zoom machine. It just decided to shit the bed after 34 seconds. <laughs> it just had enough of us. It was like enough already. Goodbye. Oh, Christ, these women again. I thought yeah. they were done. Not yeah. so... You can't stop mm-hmm. us. So here we are. I think we're going to even crush it out of the park more than we did the other day. I feel like our talking points are more honed. Our chemistry is back in action after barely seeing each other for, we barely saw each other. We were doing all sorts of stuff. Well, I was a little busy. Uh, you were quite busy. Uh, and then now we're not busy. So here we are. Well, you're still busy. I'm kind of busy, but not really. I'm living, I'm, I'm truly truly both relieved and sad at the beginning of fall because I don't like when the weather gets colder. Everyone else seems to love fall. I find it really depressing because it means that the summer is over and the US Open is like the last gasp. And this year, because we did a racket house, I have been basically operating at an 11 for at least a month straight. And now I feel like a balloon that's on the ceiling that's like slowly starting to fall towards the ground, but I'm still sort of hovering. Um, but that's just me. You have become America's coach. You're like, it's like America's sweetheart, but tougher. What? what uh, uh, I guess. I, I don't even know to take that as a compliment, but. Uh, I'm not sure oh. it is. I, I think that that's a, a sidewinding comment that uh, you want to be a compliment, but it's actually just a dig. But anyway, whatever. It's nothing new for you. Um, we had a great couple of weeks. I mean, I was working the US Open before the US Open started. I was doing qualifying for ESPN. Obviously, I was on the tennis court with a certain somebody prior certain to a someone. tournament. I've never heard of her. An up-and-comer named Serena Williams. Yeah, just that up-and-comer trying to win another Grand Slam. Um, 
And uh, so it was quite awesome. Uh, then I got to go to the racket party, which was amazing on the top of Radio City Music Hall. Oh my God. I walked up, Caitlin, when I got up out of the elevator and I came onto the, where it was. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. This is unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. It was so freaking cool. I mean, so cool. And, and, you know, lessons learned, right? I know you, you probably have, you know, a more alcohol stand or a more this or a more that, but like all of our fans that came, all racket um, fans that came, they were just, it was absolutely unbelievable. And we're learning every year. You're learning every year how to do even better and better every single time yeah. we put on an event. So it was sure. amazing. For me, building a court in the middle of Rockefeller Plaza, having a giant party on the roof, having Steve Nash and Emma Raducanu and Stan Wawrinka and, oh, there's Emily Ratchikowski and there's Gregor Dimitrov flirting with Emily Ratchikowski. And <laughs> like, but also most importantly, it's like our friends and readers and fans and people we know in the world who could come together and like have just a magical weekend. So for me, it was amazing. And frankly, like it was, I think the only thing that people could talk about in terms of events uh, during the tournament, people kept coming up to me and being like, oh my God. Uh, so we got to top that somehow next year. I don't know. Maybe we'll put a tennis court on a boat or something. I, we got to, we got to, but that's enough about Racket House. Stay tuned for the next one. And if you subscribe to our newsletter, maybe you'll get invited. Um, can we just talk about how you became America's coach? Obviously I want to talk about Ambush Tennis, our new series starring you, six-time Grand Slam, Slam champion Renee Stubbs, but I mainly want to talk about, because everyone's dying to know, how did you end up sitting next to Oracine, the Williams <laughs> family, Anna Winter, getting Serena Williams ready for this tournament, and frankly, into what many, many thought an impossible position, which is like into the third round of a Grand Slam uh, after not really having played much in the last two years. So can you talk about how that came about? What was the well, like? What were the moments like? Just take us through the whole thing because everybody's dying to know. Well, you know, we well, look, we also uh, her comeback at Wimbledon and that didn't go as well as she wanted to. But, you know, I still thought, wow, what an effort after a year of not playing tennis. She came back and, you know, who knows? And how many ended up making like one, two more matches at Wimbledon. So it wasn't like she lost to somebody who was not a good player. Um, but then when I saw her uh, play in Cincinnati, I went and I was courtside for the match and I told her I would go and watch and, I was there with Sam Stoza um, coaching her. And, you know, after the match, I just thought, okay, I've got a few thoughts. And Serena, Serena and I have always talked about her tennis. She's always taken criticism from me or, you know, text messages and, you know, sometimes all, all, all throughout her career. I would say the last 15 years at least I've been somebody that's talked about her career. So after the match against Raducanu, I just was like, I have some thoughts. <laughs> And so I gave her my thoughts. And one of the thoughts was, look, you've got to play practice sets against other players because, you know, she had, she played like literally three matches in a year. And all I'm thinking was, I don't care how great a champion you are and how good you are and how many matches you've played. If you haven't won matches in a year and, you know, you're 40 years of age, you are almost turning 41 and you're going to be playing in front of 20,000 plus people at Arthur Ashe Stadium on Monday night in front of millions of people all around the world. I thought, oh my God, I couldn't imagine not being fully prepared for that moment because that's an overwhelming moment for anybody. So I just said, look, the only way for you to be prepared for that match is at least to simulate playing matches against people in practice, which yeah. she had never done before. And the reason she hadn't done it before, Caitlin, is because she hadn't needed to. She'd won so many matches and tournaments and her confidence was always so sky high. But this is a different animal, you know. So 
she took it upon, uh, she took it on board and she said, I agree, uh, I'll have to do it. And she said, would you mind, you know, observing my practices, which is code, <laughs> which is code for, can you pop along to my practice and take a look? And I just gave her a couple of thought processes to think about during practice, um, what to, you know, then therefore implement matches. We had a great talk before her first round about, you know, telling her how great she is and not letting her opponent see any vulnerability. There was a lot that was talked about prior to the match. Um, which a little bit, just because I think whether you're Serena Jamaica Williams, age 40, going on 41 with 23 Grand Slams under your belt, or, you know, a recreational player, like somebody who gets ambushed by Renee Stubbs on a public court, there are some really relatable things to this, which is, you know, we talked about the other day, the positivity going into a match on whatever size court and the idea of anytime you get angry with yourself or body language or negative or you make a mistake or something doesn't go your way and you choose whether or not you're going to telegraph vulnerability or strength to your opponent is a huge and easy takeaway for anybody right like talk a little bit about that like that's that's it's not brain surgery but it's really really important for anybody absolutely i mean one of the things that i've talked about with serena through the years really is like to try and not be as demonstrative early in matches, you know, if things don't go her way early, because anybody that walks on the court against Serena, me included, is very intimidated by her. And so I said, the last thing you can do is show vulnerability in your body language. So no matter how you're feeling, if you're feeling stressed, et cetera, like take all of that stress and all of that pressure and all of that angst and throw it down the other end to your opponent. Because, you know, if you got to think about, you know, the, Kovinich and, and, and Kontaveit, and even in the end, Isla Tomlanovich, who handled the moment so beautifully, uh, they are going to feel a lot of pressure, you know, 20,000 plus fans cheering against them, you know, knowing that this possibly could be her last match, like all the stuff I said, your opponents have a lot to deal with, yeah. you know, so take all of the stress and put it on them, you know, and try and allow yourself to be great and yeah, so yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely she is. She was great. Yes. She played so well. Even in the match and, lost against Isla, she played great tennis, which I didn't, if I can be honest, I, and I think I speak for- She should have won the match. Maybe, but I, I don't know that I thought she was still capable of playing that well after what I've seen for the last two years. You knew it, but I don't think a lot of us who, who had seen her level coming into this summer thought that. And I am happy to have been wrong. No, she, uh, she was hitting the ball well in practice, but, you know, one of the things that I said was that, yeah, but you're hitting with your hitting partner. So you feel good hitting with him. You have to problem solve in practice and you have to problem solve in set. So she was able to do that in practice and then she took it onto the match because, you know, the thing that I was probably proudest of is that she didn't lose her shit in any of those matches. She really kept it together. She probably got a little bit too anxious and, you know, a little bit upset at herself in the match against Isla because she didn't close out the first set at 5-3 and she didn't close out the second set at 5-2, which is why I said she really should have won the match. I mean, serving for both sets, yeah. very not very usual for Serena to not serve it out, but that's also not having matches. Um, but overall, like her attitude was great. She didn't get frustrated or break a racket. Or, I mean, we've seen that through the years. So I don't know if it was just me like hounding it into her head and pounding it into her head in practice about being positive and letting go of the negative, but she was so great. And it was a joy to sit there and watch. And it was pretty cool to um, be a part of that last ride with her. And uh, I was very glad to be there for the ride. What's like a pre-match Serena Williams team routine? Like, what do you, what is that like? Are you like, uh, I don't know, like, does she need notes? Like, what does that even look like from a coach? Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, I wrote down a couple of things and she wrote down a couple of things. She puts them in her bag. You know, she, you often see her through matches sometimes just grab something out of a bag to read. It could be um, anything. It could be just one or two Q uh, words. And every player should do this, even in the amateurs or juniors. You should always have Q words to help you come back from the, the, the macro and bring it to the micro little things. And that's super important in tennis. So, yeah, I mean, prior to the match, look, she warmed up really late every time. She went literally sweating straight into the change room to change. And, you know, it was Derek and Christy, her physio and um, fitness trainer. And, you know, they, they're getting her physically ready. And, and it's just a conversation between she and, she and myself and also Eric uh, Heckman. He came in with, you know, some game plans and things like that. But it was just a five, 10 minute conversation. And then, and then it's just keeping her loose and keeping her happy and getting her out of the court. We had a little ritual and a little group hug and, she wanted in on that. She felt very left out when the team were doing it on her own. She's like, can I get in on that? And we're like, yeah, of course, get in here, you know? So it was it was just trying to keep her loose and trying to keep her happy. And and I think everybody did their jobs really well. I give a lot of credit to Derek and Christy because they were in, with her a lot of the day, um, just keeping her healthy and happy and not too stressed because she's got a lot on her plate, you know, between her businesses and, you know, her dog passed away the week before the one of her dogs. So she had a lot on her mind. Um, and, you know, she's got a kid, so Olympia's, you know, she's trying to keep her happy. So it's an amazing experience, Caitlin. And, and may I add, may I add, Anna Wintour is one of the nicest people I think I've ever met. She was oh. absolutely delight to sit near. Can we talk more about that? Because, you know, I have often thought to myself, whenever you meet somebody incredibly powerful who maybe has a reputation for being scary, and I think a lot of people think of her as being very scary, um, they're actually, like, super nice and at ease with themselves and at ease in the world because they're so good at what they do. They have like a, they don't need to be forced or brunt or, you know, uh, uh, rude or anything. And that was your experience with her. Delightful. Absolutely delightful. delightful. Could not have been nicer. She was so lovely. Um, talked about, you know, family and she was just a delight. So anybody out there that thinks Anna Wintour is anything but a delight, she was a big fan of Racket Magazine. I have to tell you, Caitlin. She said, she said, oh, please let Caitlin know. It's a love, lovely magazine. I, 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 it's just wonderful. And I was like, I will tell her. And I think she'll be really happy with that. Well, sure. Listen, Anna, it's for sale. So let's have a chat. Like you, you, you and I, we can, I'm sure, work something out. Uh, I'd be happy. I don't submit to a lot of women, Renee. But I think I would for her. I would. Yeah. I, I would gladly take her being my boss. Um amazing outcome well done coach do you thank you feel like now you could coach anybody you should coach anybody i feel like that i feel like you're america's coach not only because in a incredible turn of events we were able to release the first sizzle and some parts of the first episode of ambush tennis the series in which you go on to public tennis courts harass engage but most importantly maximally improve recreational tennis players games you're such a phenomenally good coach and I think that obviously is something that those of us who know you know and you can hear it in your commentating because you understand the game a lot better let me just say than a lot of people who get microphones read into that what you will but you're you're able to improve even somebody legendary like Serena in a way that was very obvious for all of us to see you can coach anybody who would you want to coach what's next like I'm not throwing out any names uh I think there's a lot of players out there that I think I <laughs> can right. help <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to take that on. That's a lot. Uh, you know, the problem is with tennis coaches is uh, 
you have to be on side with the agents, right? Because agents make so many of the calls. So there is, there is, you know, there's a few agents that um, maybe not my fan for whatever reason. Uh, and then there are some agents that are my fan. Uh, so that know that I can help their player. So, you know, <clears throat> I think the bottom line is any agent out there should recognize that I could maybe be an asset for their player. So I would take personal, um, you know, beefs off the table if I was them, because I think I can make a big difference for a lot of players out there that um, sort of need that positivity and a change in their, their thinking process. And there's a lot, there's a lot of players that I, I know that I can help, but, um, but again, that's not up to me. That's up to the player and it's up to their agents. And so we'll see where it lies. I'm not in any rush. Yeah. I'm really happy and content where I am. And I've got a lot of on my plate right now. So everybody out there, I only go to the public courts. I'm not going to some fancy schmancy club. Okay. I go to the people. So at the most random places around the country, you never know where I'll turn up. <laughs> you never know. Uh, Renee Subs will coach you whether you like it or not. So just yeah. hold on to your hats. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I guess we should talk about the US Open other than Serena's evolution away from the game. We had other evolutions of the way away from the game, including our very good mate, uh, Petco. Andrea Pekovic, our cultural attache, our fashion correspondent, um, author of an award-winning fiction book in German. What a great battle she put up against Belinda Bencic uh, in the first round and went out swinging against a player who was both great and gracious in a way that I was really happy to sort of be witness to. Yeah, I mean, as you know, it's quite busy at the US Open, but for some reason, you know, I just got a break and uh, I had about a two hour break in the day where I was able to go and sit and watch my buddy uh, Petco play her last ever match. And I, there were periods in the third set where I was like, Oh my God, she's going to win this match. Like this would be amazing. Um, and it was such a high quality match with Benchich. Um, unfortunately, Benchich raised her level to a different level in the last couple of games. Like she played so well. So Petco, you know, deservedly went out, the way she will always be remembered by everybody on tour as a huge fighter, somebody who never gives up, someone that entertains the crowd. I mean, there was the chant of Petco, 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 like the whole second and third sets. It was awesome. And it's the way she deserved to go out, like playing great tennis, because she could still keep playing. She could probably 
have a great week here and there. But, you know, at some point you do decide, like, oh, I, there are things in my life that I want to pursue. And interestingly enough, like, as she was playing the match, I turned around at one stage when they were having a toilet break and there was a lady standing in the shade because there wasn't a lot of shade that day, uh, standing in the shade reading Petko's book while watching her. I thought, oh, this is just the epitome of Andrea Petkovic's yes. legacy. Oh. Yeah, it was awesome. So, yeah, I mean, Andy, we love you. We love you. Love you. Now we're just going to get to spend more time with you in New York, which we're happy about. Um, yeah, I but, mean, she, uh, she joined my book club. Actually, without my permission, she went around me, and now she's in my book club. Uh, and apparently she's already conspiring to get me thrown out for the third time. So, you know, oh, okay. I respect it, honestly. It's a move and I respect it. Um, other goings on at the tournament, obviously we had uh, the world's number one and number two players in the women's side, um, you know, great runs. I was really pleased to see Caroline Garcia put a lot of stuff together. She's going to enter the top 10 again after this tournament, which she really deserves to be in based on the way that she hits the ball. Um, she came up short and just kind of didn't show up against Don's, but like for the rest of the tournament, I thought she was playing the best tennis. Coco Goff has gotten a lot better. Her serve has gotten better. Her forehand has gotten better. Like she's backing up her Roland Garros run with a deep run here, I think is really great because it's still insane to me that she's so young. Um, but at the end, I mean, Iga, just her mental capacity to win ugly and win when you're not playing great, I feel like is you know, the move. I was sad Ons couldn't really kind of come to the table enough really for the first set and a half of that match and the final, but like, you know, credit to Iga for just being incredibly, incredibly mentally tough to weather whatever anybody came to her with. I don't know. What are your thoughts about the final specifically? Yeah. I mean, listen, she struggled the whole tournament. She was not happy. She was up and down. She lost sets. She was complaining about the balls. She, she was never comfortable. Um, I think until the final, and I don't know what it is with Iga, but she just gets so locked in once she's in a final. Like, if you look at her results against people in finals, I don't, she hasn't lost a set. Yeah. So she wins matches. Final. Like, that's crazy. It, it, but she doesn't just win them just. She wins them easily every single time. She just comes to play. She's just, um, you know, I think it, it's weird because I think when, you, when you're that good a player, you get to the finals and you just then expect – and it was uh, Kari Webb, an old buddy friend of mine who was a LPGA golfing uh, great, uh, was in the Hall of Fame. She used to say to me, when I got down to the 18th hole and I was in the lead, that's what I expected. Hmm. So instead of like choking under pressure, she'd be like, this is what I expect of myself. I expect to win this. And she went on a run of like for years of being world number one and winning tons of tournaments and majors. And she said, when I got to the 18th hole, either in the lead or, you know, ahead you know, or maybe close to the lead, it's where I expected myself to be. And I think Egan now, when she gets to the final, she's like, yeah, this is what I expect of myself as a sure. great player. And and she does. And she played, I mean, her, her. I know Ons didn't show up in the first set, but her level was outstanding in the first set. I think she was like 90% first serves in. I mean, she didn't make, made, she didn't miss a return no, for the didn't. first set and a half. Yeah. Hello. I think for, players and i love watching ons because i feel like she's a much 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 better version of me somebody who's like kind of out there to like have a good amount of fun so it's really relatable watching her play tennis it's also relatable when she is faced with an opponent who hasn't missed either a serve or a return pretty much for a whole set to just kind of freak out which is honestly what i thought happened i'm really happy she showed up to that match in 
I would say like the second half of the second set and made it a competitive endeavor. You know, at one point she was serving, um, I think for the second set. And I think if we were to enact a rule that Renee Stubbs is really advocating for, she would have had the second set and then anything happens in a third. Um, but I do think uh, there's something about Iga's showing up to play, being ready to play, having that expectation like you were talking about that is just really setting her apart from the field right now. Yeah, she's going to be a great number one for a, a number of years. Hopefully, you know, we, we keep her there and she's happy. My rule change just for everybody out there that Caden forgot to tell you is that I want to get rid of the let court in tennis because I think it's so ridiculous that, you know, these players hit great serves and it barely touches the net and that stupid little white machine and picks it up and it's like, it's a disaster. She onto the serve out wide at 5-4 in the tie break. That was a clean ace and they called it a let. And I was like, that's the fucking thing I hate about let courts because that was a great serve. And, you know, we have it in points and everyone's like, yeah, but what about a dead net let court? I'm like, that happens in points all the time. What's the difference, you know? So I want to get rid of let court. If we'd done that, she would have been up 6-4 serving in the tie break. There's no guarantee she, she yeah. was going to win, but it certainly would have helped. Yeah. But yeah, the women's event was amazing. Obviously, Serena was the story the first week and then who was going to win in the second week and what could Iga claw back. Um, but, you know, we also, before we get to the men's, uh, we also want to talk a little bit about the failures, really, of some of the players that we expected. You know, on the women's side, when you look about Bianca Andreescu, where's she gone these days? You know, uh, Emma Raducanu, of course, was the defending champion and uh, Layla Fernandez, who made the final the year before, it's just amazing to me that that's how deep women's tennis is, that they weren't even a part of the second week, both of them, all three of them. So tremendous amount of depth again in women's tennis. It was nice to see the world number one and two in the final, uh, in the live rankings and in the final. And also in the men's, we had the number one and two live rankings in the final. So um, the failures on the men's side is more of a bit of a, what is going on when we talk about the Denis Shapovalov and, Felix Agier, Aliasim, your people, Caitlin, your Canadians. Oh, Canadians, come on, Canada. We had it going for us for a little while. Now we're just like in some sort of slump. The Canadians yeah. failed to failed to deliver this, yes. this, really this summer. I mean, I know Felix had a good beginning of the season, but Shapovalov and Andreescu haven't been really at the top echelon of the game for now a while. Uh, and it's, yeah, I want to watch them play. I love I love the, all of their styles of play. But yeah, what do you think is going on with, with those guys? Is this just like slump when you get to a incredibly high place it's hard to stay there and so it's I don't know I mean I just for me FAA needs to chill out like he just feels so stiff on the court and I don't know I feel like I just want to shake him and be like look you're not trying to be perfect here you're just trying to play tennis like let's let's be like Alcaraz and like jump around the court and dive and have fun and finish points and not look about how you look I don't know I yeah, love it looks perfect but it doesn't look relaxed no, he's not relaxed. And, you know, obviously he's had Tony on his team now, Nadal, for a couple of years. And I don't know if that's working. And it's certainly not Tony's fault. But I, I don't know. I think he needs somebody who's just going to make him enjoy the game. There you go. There's somebody I could coach. Hey, bring me in. But yeah, um, I, love that. I love that for you guys. But, you know, of course, Steph Sitsipas. You know how I feel about him. Yeah, I think gotta until he gets... We get the dad, man. Get the dad out of there. If the dad gets out of there, he may win a Grand Slam. That's just how I feel. I think his dad is unbelievably negative towards him on the court. I think he he has, you know, some issues with anger on the court. And I think he bottles a lot of his anger up from just so much stuff. And 
Yeah. So, you know, you've got Dennis, you've got FAA, you've got Stephanos, you've got Dominic Team, and of course, Vera wasn't there because he's still injured. Not that I'm worried about that. But the, all you think about that was the supposed next gen. Yeah. Uh, but here you have uh, two guys, in my opinion, with Alcaraz, clearly the world now world number one. Oh, yeah. Clearly. Um, this is just, he's playing a different game than other people. He is, him and my boy Yannick Sinner, who, Oh my God, I cannot wait for these two to play for another t- decade and a half against each other because that was the match of the tournament. And yep. it was also one of the best matches I've seen ever. Yep. It was the quality was out of this world. Yep. So pl- men's tennis, I was a bit worried a couple of years ago. I was a bit worried. There weren't any like real stars. And now all of a sudden you've got Alcaraz, Sinner, of course, Francis Tiafo. What a great yep. tournament he had. So if we have those three, yep. and of course, your oatmeal stallion. Oatmeal oh, stallion. It's the thing. It's catching on. I feel like we're going to make T-shirts with the rudes about uh, how he really embodies the spirit of oatmeal stallion. I came up with it. I'm a genius. And there we go. I just want to say two words, which is big who? Like, I'm not missing those guys. I don't, yeah. I don't, you know, I've been over them for a long time, but the fact that there's a varied, deep, and really interesting mix of men now on the on in the in the game that for a long time was dominated by very 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 boring storylines for me um, is so exciting. This was such a great. I mean, Carlos Alcaraz is is really unbelievably multifaceted in a way that I think you know those of us who watch the game really closely, it's hard to explain sometimes like what makes him that much better than everybody else. And, you know, talking about Sinner, obviously Sinner had match points. Um, Tiafo took him to five, you know, but I think unlike Tiafo or unlike Casper Ruud or unlike Nick, who take giant swings at the ball and hit massive, massive ground strokes, which are awesome and impressive, Carlitos can do that kind of like in a Bruce Lee way where he can generate pace with like a one-inch punch. Like he's doing the same thing from anywhere in the court without taking a big cut. He moves forward. He's got volleys. Like he's doing something different. And that's why those who watch the game really closely are specifically so excited about him. As you and I like to say, that's his his forehand. Um, It's true. He he really does. He's quick with the feet. He's quick with the hands. He's quick with his smile. He's just like the greatest thing for men's tennis. Oh my God. Like, and, and, and let me tell you everyone out there that loves this guy, Love him for a reason because he is the nicest kid you'll ever meet. He says hello to everybody. He greets the crew when he comes and does interviews. He shakes everyone's hand. He's really genuine about it. I, I could not like a kid more. And Yannick Sinner, same thing. So let's hope they're around for another decade and a half because, my God, they're going to be really good, both of them. I mean, Alcaraz already is. But um, And I also just, just want to know, when Renee says somebody's really nice, that's not a given. There is not everybody who's really nice. There's not everyone who makes eye contact. There's not everyone who goes behind the scenes and thanks the tournament organizers, the volunteers, the drivers, the catering, you know, putting on a tournament of any size, but especially a Grand Slam is just a massive, massive, it's like a small country of people. And when somebody is thoughtful and, and treats the media, the interviewers, the on-court staff, all that with kindness and uh, a sense of shared with respect. And respect. respect right this is everyone's place of work and so it's really nice to see people who have the package total and who do that um and it just so happens to also come in the package with a giant giant game so carlito yeah. 
is our new king. As he likes to say, and I think again, relatable, he plays with cabeza, corazón, y cojones, which means brains, heart, and balls. Yeah, it's true. He does. I, I, and I just want to add Francis Tiafo in there as yeah. nicest guy ever that also is very, very, very nice to everyone around him, the court people, the crew, the staff, everyone. He's, he hugs everyone on an interview, like just a, a delight. Um, so men's tennis is in great hands with these three, particularly these three, no, four with Rude as well, these four young men who are just great for the game. So yay and thank God for them. Yeah. Um, I know, Caitlin, that you also want to, add a little extra thing for the USTA? Listen, I, as Racket celebrated its sixth year of existence, you know, making a magazine, making a top three of the world's podcasts, congratulations to Renee Stubbs. I mean, did some of that help because Renee Stubbs is Serena Williams coach? I don't care. People are listening to this show because they love tennis. They love your commentary. And frankly, I think they love the vibe of something that's not so corporate and, and establishment, because that's certainly what we're trying to do with racket. I do, however, want to give a shout out to the USCA, not our likeliest of allies, because sometimes I have a lot of harsh words for the governing bodies in tennis and some of the endemic, you know, corporate think that has, in my view, sort of held the game back, but to sort of call out innovation. And, and when I see something really encouraging in terms of new thought and new leadership, like, I want to make sure that we're, we're given credit where credit's due. This year, like many years, there was a vibrant juniors competition and there was a vibrant wheelchair competition. We watched Shingo Kenyatta, who I came on to a couple of years ago at the French Open um, as one of the greatest wheelchair players of all time, go for his Golden Slam. That's something Didi DeGroote has. That's something your guy Dylan Alcott from Australia has. And he was going for it this year. He ended up falling short in the final. But um, wheelchair is usually something a lot of player uh, spectators don't get to watch and juniors is something a lot of players spectators don't get to watch because usually by the end of the tournament when these competitions start the only people going to the tournament that are paying ticketed guests are going to watch the big matches in the stadium and the USTA did something really different this year because this year they have the first ever in a grand slam wheelchair junior tournament and to celebrate that they made one day of the second week free you couldn't get into the stadium with that but you could watch the best players in the world in every single division legends wheelchair, wheelchair juniors and juniors and the people in the main singles and, and doubles and uh, uh, mixed draws practice. So really just opening up those grounds and making them feel less sparse and actually vibrantly packed with fans. And in my case, kids, because it happened to coincide with a day that parents had nothing to do with their children because school wasn't in session yet. So I just want to give a shout out, like what a cool thing we profiled. Maylee Phelps, one of the U.S up and coming wheelchair juniors. She ended up winning uh, the mixed doubles championship this year. Um, and it's just so cool to see them doing something really innovative, expanding the definition of what constitutes like really compelling competitive tennis and making it accessible for spectators to see and share and spread around. Because let me tell you, if you think, listen to this podcast, that you're uh, gonna see something diminished by watching wheelchair tennis, like the people who play wheelchair tennis at the highest levels can beat you like just straight up can beat you at tennis. Like, I don't think they can beat you, Renee Stubbs, but like, this is not anything other than a brute speed, agility, and frankly, technique um, a thon uh, on a lot of these, in a lot of these matches. And I was really pleased to watch it and take my kids to watch it and um, to keep up with it and see it grow. 
Yeah, it's so good. I, I sat with the wheelies in uh, at Wimbledon. Uh, we were all sitting in the locker room together and we were watching the guys play their final with uh, with him in it, um, with Alfie. And it was just such a fun atmosphere to sit with them. And I'd ask them questions about how you do this and how you do that. And they're like, have you ever tried it? And I was like, no. I was like, they're like, oh, you'd be good. I was like, I don't know. I mean, the, the shots that they can hit and the strength that they have in their upper body, I tell you, oh my goodness. And some of them have such beautiful service motions as well in their chairs. And I just think for everybody out there, you should go and try and at least watch one time the wheelchair tennis, because it's really phenomenal what they do with the ball. And I have such huge respect for them. And they work really hard. I was around Dylan Alcott a lot. And he practiced as much as we did. Um, he was in the gym as much as we were. It's the work that they do, they have the bands attached to the wheelchair. They're like, you know, working on their arm strength and their speed around the court. It's incredible what they do. And they truly are athletes, like really yeah, amazing. Sure. So yeah, kudos. So shout out to the USDA. Shout out to our friend Megan Rose, uh, who directed the tournament and was responsible for getting wheelchair juniors, wheelies juniors uh, for the first time. And shout out to the USDA for being smart. And hey, every other governing body in tennis, pay attention. Make your second week more compelling by getting fans in there watching these great athletes um in all these different competitions because people need to see tennis up close to appreciate it um and they need to see tennis of all types so agreed um, free tickets uh, to me in the last couple of days is like a must because you you are also playing some doubles quarterfinals uh, mixed doubles quarterfinals and and semifinals out there and it's not fun to go out there and, and no one's out there to watch and it is because no one knows about it yeah, you know exactly. what i mean so so allow, allow the tennis fan, the true tennis fans that don't have a lot of money, especially to get out there and watch those and support them because the atmosphere is and could be amazing because they are some amazing matches. But uh, yeah, kudos to the USDA. Yeah, just to leave um, on a positive note because I feel like, um, you know, it's important to do that right and hopefully we'll do it. Speaking of tennis in all its forms, this morning I played with a woman who was an All-American Pepperdine and she was trying to coach me and get me excited about playing the ITF Super Seniors next year. Uh, in the 40s division so you know all of us in our own special ways are chasing some sort of dream this woman won three gold balls in the last month so I feel like she might be a little bit more hype on this than I am but you know you never stop learning you never stop improving right that's what we're all out here trying to do hey and you never know I might just bop onto a court and tell you exactly <laughs> how to get better and how to win that gold ball because who doesn't want a gold ball exactly Caitlin it's great seeing you fans uh Thanks for listening to us and thanks for hanging in there with all our little sparse in and outs. But we were both quite busy over the last few weeks, um, but we will be back and we'll give you what you need. So thanks for listening to us, everyone. Bye. Bye. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. 
With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.